You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. It's amazing! Excuse me. It's right here! Professor! It's, it's gone! It is! Oh. Professor! I think you gave it a little too much free will. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another quarantined episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you grew up watching, the ones you're nostalgic about, we watch them critically, let you know, are these movies any good or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week we watched 1997's sci-fi family comedy, Flubber. Mm, Why? Why did we do that? Zach, I really needed something to boost my spirits this week. And, oh, boy, uh, was this not it. The opposite effect, maybe. (laughs) Happy Easter, by the way, Brandon. That's right. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Whatever anyone out there is uh, celebrating... But this is the day we're recording, the year of our Lord 2020 on Easter Sunday. Quarantine during COVID-19, so all the people listening to this uh, in the ruins of whatever city you're in years from now, and by years from now, I mean like three. Yeah, original recording date, April 12th, 2020. (laughs) How you doing, Zach? How's everything going, man? I mean, I was fine until I watched Flubber yesterday, but... (laughs) Uh, you know, you know, I'm surviving, man. Uh, I'm one of those lucky people who is deemed essential, so I'm I'm very grateful to have work. That said, I am busier than ever. <laughs> I can imagine, man. Well, what better way to take your mind off all the stresses of daily life than with this uh, 1997 classic? Who you? I I can't say that I had a lot of nostalgia for this movie. I do remember. I've seen this probably two or three times when I was a kid, when it first came out. Not a single brain iota has been dedicated to Flubber since its release. No way, dude. I remember being very excited when this movie was coming out for some reason because it was billed as a, you know, funny children's... You know, all I saw was Robin Williams. I saw Mrs. Doubtfire. Jumanji, previous NBD episode. Our only other... Robin Williams film, correct? I think Jumanji? so. We yeah. still haven't done Hook. I mean, that'll be on the list here sooner oh, or later. Yeah. It certainly will be. Um, but yeah, so I, I saw an actor that I knew I really liked, and I don't know, he was dancing green goo. There was a fart joke, I'm sure, in the trailer or something that really, <laughs> really got my engine going as a young kid. <laughs> and you know what? I think I realized it while I was watching it. I think this is one of those like very, very early, even as a kid, I knew this sucked. <laughs> I do remember the green flubber toys that were either at a McDonald's or a Burger King that I got a few weeks whenever this came out. Uh, But other than that, uh, I remember the trailer. I remember scenes of the dancing flubber goo. But, like, we'll get into the opening credits here when this cast scroll comes up. I was fucking flabbergasted when I, upon realizing what a stacked cast this was. Yeah, and that opening credit, again, we'll talk about it, but it's... It's funny you bring up the trailer, Brandon, because it's something that I think I said to you maybe off air last time. Um, the trailer really billed this as like Robin Williams palling around with some green like goo buddy, like this thing that like dances and you know causes trouble. Brandon, that little goo blob is only in three scenes of this movie. <laughs> It blew my mind how infrequently this flubber is actually uh, shown, or at least in its green goo phase or form. It is like one of my earliest memories of false advertising. <laughs> Super disappointed. Zach sitting there in the theaters. Did you see this in theaters? Or was I this did, what you caught on no, home video? I did see this in theaters, and then I probably did wow. catch it once, one or a few more times. From a blockbuster. That's right, folks. Blockbuster. But thankfully, you know, Disney Plus was uh, gave us the opportunity to watch it in full glorious high definition. Yeah. Um, except for one time when my internet died out a little bit. Uh, that was a glorious five minutes of... <laughs> well, you thought for a second, like, oh, no, I'll have to let Brandon know. I can't uh, watch dude, Flubber. I can't, I can't do, do it this Flubber. week. <laughs> I guess, you know, my... But then it picked up again. Watch the rest of the movie. Speaking of the stacked cast, why don't you tell us a little bit about it, unless you have more. No, actually, I'm sorry, I jumped the gun. You have memories of this movie. You talk about them. They're few and far between, my friend. I Like I said, I, I remember some of the Happy Meal stuff. I do know that I didn't see this in theaters. This was one that I think we rented from the local video store, the old clamshell case. But it wasn't one that I went back 
too often, and like I said, out of the oeuvre of 90s Robin Williams films, this was at the fucking bottom of my list, you know what I mean? Even as a kid, I didn't really latch onto it, and so when the idea of it came up, I knew it had dropped on Disney+. Plus. It was more of a curiosity factor, like, oh shit, Flubber, that was a movie that I don't think anyone talks about it anymore, so I thought it was worth uh, the rewatch. I was going to say, did you know it was going to be this bad, Brandon? Because I did. I... I very much knew it was going to be bad. Did you just have no idea? Looking up the the critical reviews before we started this, as I was going through doing my little research and note-taking, yeah, that's when I realized it dawned on me like, oh no, this probably will not be a fun time. Uh, I wish I had known that, because you and I specifically were trying to pick a movie that... Would bring our spirits up. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? That's my fault, because I was like, yeah, okay, Brandon, we'll do Flubber. Look, I, I completely understand. You got Robin Williams, you got some green goo. How can that make you sad? 90 minutes later. Well, 90 minutes later, here we are. Unbeknownst to me, this is actually a remake of The Absent-Minded Professor from 1961, which is actually the first Disney film to be so successful, it's the first Disney sequel, 1963's Son of Flubber. Wow, didn't know that. Also didn't know this, it's also written, this script, by John Hughes. That John Hughes, which really blew my mind. What? Yeah, I remember in his later years, the late 90s and throughout the 2000s, there were a couple of scripts based on either previous scripts that he rewrote or like an, an original nugget of an idea that then spawned off into something else. We talk about it often, but Drill Bit Taylor, also a John Hughes yeah. spec script. Jesus Christ. <laughs> But there is one in his uh, lineup that I have to see. Well, we won't do it for the show because I've never heard of it, but it came out in 2001 and it's called Just Visiting. Did you ever hear about this movie? No. <laughs> this is a tangent, but listen to this. So it stars... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it stars Jean Renault, you know, Leon the Professional himself, and Christina Applegate. Here is the synopsis. Apparently he wrote this film with a few other guys. A French count is in England to marry the princess. She's killed. A wizard helps him to travel back before the murder, except they end up in Chicago, April 2000. A descendant helps him. He looks for the wizard to return to the 1100s. What? <laughs> it's like that movie Kate and Leopold, but with Jean Renault and uh, the 2000s Chicago. I, I really I'm looking this up right now. <laughs> Just visiting, I was blown away that this movie existed because I've never heard of it. I, oh, man, my weekend just blew up. <laughs> I was gonna say, did you watch it? No, I gotta find a copy of this thing though because I am very interested. I mean, I'm not nostalgic about that either, obviously, because I've never heard it. But goddamn it, doesn't it sound like something it looks we might disgusting? Have to... Yeah, disgusting. Oh god! Oh no! Right around the oh, time I'm of Black Knight, the cover, art. the cover, yeah, with John Renault, like. Poking his Coming head out, out of a, a sewer man, grate. Out of a manhole. <laughs> oh, and Christina Applegate's like standing, like classic sassy, like, oh, these guys. You <laughs> knew it. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Uh, well, Flubber. All right. We, Flubber was directed by Les Mayfield, who also brought us Encino Man, that 90s Brendan Fraser classic. Oh, my God. Is this an image from Just Visiting? This is an, the sorry. Costumes. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> ew, ew, ew. This is an image of Just Visiting <laughs> of the two main characters standing over a toilet. And, uh, and I imagine that up. scene's probably rife with comic gems. Them wondering what a toilet is. Oh, if you... Oh, they're, they're clearly... They're wondering at the paper, the toilet paper. Um, oh, topical now. So, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. But I keep getting sidetracked, but you can't That's really. That's okay. Oh, Matt Ross is in this movie, too? Malcolm <laughs> McDowell's in this movie. <laughs> oh, he definitely plays the king Ooh, of some Tara kind. Tara yeah. Reed. Oh, my God. We, Brandon, we got to watch fi- this I got to find a copy of that somehow. <laughs> we got to yeah. watch this fucking movie. Anyway. So Flubber, directed yeah. by Les Mayfield, he brought us Encino Man, that Polly Shore classic. We've also got the 90s remake of Miracle on 34th Street. He also brought us Martin Lawrence in Blue Streak, which could be a stay tuned. American Outlaws, The Man, with Sam Jackson and Eugene Levy, and his most recent film was from 2007, codename The Cleaner, with Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, I remember when that movie came out. I did not watch it. Yeah, isn't he like a janitor spy Don't or know. something didn't, like that? Didn't watch Sounds it. about right. Uh, but probably. <laughs> and this is where I started realizing Flubber might not be all it uh, <laughs> was in my mind. It's got a 5.3 on IMDb and a very low 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. That doesn't mean it was a box office bust, though. It cost an estimated $80 million to produce, earned $92 million in the U.S., and $177 million worldwide. Good God. 
finished 18th for the year of 97 in the States on the box office charts, earning less than previous NBD episodes Con Air and Hercules, but did outgross I Know What You Did Last Summer, Mouse Hunt, and Good Burger. Now, there's actually not a lot on the behind the scenes for this, so this is going to be super quick. Uh, but I will say the sound designer, Andrew Summers, created the sound of Flubber by using a rubber balloon filled with water, Metamucil, and air. Apparently, Metamucil became pretty gloopy and in the balloon helped make a rubbery, gurgly sound. Now, Flubber does also have kind of a voice. Just kind of a squeaky guy, like a squeaky voice, high-pitched. It is, there's an actor credited. But this is the most fascinating piece of uh, behind-the-scenes trivia. So Robin Williams was John Hughes's first choice for the role. But this was right in the midst of Disney and Robin's feud after Aladdin. Because he agreed to do Aladdin for scale, only made $75,000. But after the movie made $500 million, he was kind of pissed off. Because his one condition was he would do the, mo the movie for scale if Disney did not excessively market the character. Then he started seeing ah. the genie on bus ads and Burger King toys, and he started getting real pissed off. You know, so Disney being Disney, they did it anyway, which is why he refused to return for Aladdin and the return of Jafar. However, they did patch things up. He eventually came back to the fold for Aladdin and the King of Thieves in 1996 for the voice work. However, after this film, they did this in 97. Then he did uh, Bicentennial Man with Touchstone, which, of course, is a subsidiary of Disney at the time. But they botched the release of that one, so he once again was pretty pissed off. They then, that relationship soured, and he would not make another Disney film until 2009 with Old Dogs. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, what a way to come back. And yeah, the only other choices that were considered for the lead, if uh, Williams had refused, would have been Christopher Lloyd, Jeff Goldblum, John Lithgow, Tim Allen, and Sir Patrick Stewart. All of which I think probably could have done this role. I'm very curious to see Sir Patrick Stewart in Flubber. <laughs> he did the very, emoji later on, you know? He sure did. I forgot about that. Thank you. Oh, gosh. Oh, and Tim Allen is this guy. Maybe not everyone. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, that's all I've got, honestly, for the behind the scenes. It's not a well-chronicled uh, making of. So, you know, that's all we've got. You want to get into this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. This movie feels like it gets buried by Disney because they saw, I mean, they made money off it, but then they were like, oh, no. <laughs> and I was saying, oh, yes, like I said, when these credits started we get this opening credits sequence in the sky and you start seeing the cast members obviously robin williams yes but then it's followed up by you got marcia gay harden will wheaton ted levine christopher mcdonald clancy brown i'm just like what the fuck yeah. dude i'm pumped i'm excited as these credits are rolling how fucking shocked were you when you put the lotion in the basket <laughs> These two was goons, Mr. Krabs and fucking Buffalo Bill. Dude. Yeah, dude. Holy it's shit. fucking amazing. <laughs> it, yeah, honestly, I will say this right off the bat. What this movie has going for it is cartoonish villains. And, and yeah, everybody's casted perfectly. So we're introduced to our hero, Professor Philip Brainerd, Robin Williams. He's just waking up, and wouldn't you know it, Zach, he's a bit kooky. He's he's one of those assholes who has mechanical contraptions to perform everyday chores. One shoots his trash can to the curb, the other one's cooking him breakfast. It's a real Pee-wee's big adventure type deal here. Can you imagine living next door to this guy every fucking oh, morning? He cannons his garbage can into the freaking air. Yeah, I thought this was an accident because he misses his alarm clock, but no, I guess that's all planned. Yeah, I did uh, too. Um, not to mention this guy has dementia or Alzheimer's of some kind, right? You know, it's funny because that's one of the things I wanted to bring up was the whole problem with this character that you come to learn is that he forgets everything. He's so forgettable, absent-minded, his mind's on other stuff, and... With every Disney movie, you just want to like tick it off as like character flaw. <laughs> this is borderline like he's got something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah for sure. Someone needs to have an intervention here because he's forgetting everything. He needs, he needs medication, is what he needs. He doesn't need tough love. <laughs> Um, he also has a flying fucking robot that reminds him of his day-to-day -day life, his entire schedule. That's, what is it? Weebo? Weebo. Weebo, thank you. Yes. Weebo. But uh, another thing that we come to find out is Weebo, first of all, Weebo's just Bumblebee, right? It fucking yeah. just talks in old cartoons and movies. Oh, sure. I mean, she does have a voice. She does have a voice and she does talk to him. But yeah, every single thing she says is corroborated with this video clip of some sort of piece of pop culture. Yeah, uh, a lot of Disney uh, cartoons A lot of Disney. <laughs> yep, some Simpsons too, I noticed in yep. there. Um, 
It is worth noting, though, that while this robot is showing him his list of shit to do, he's saying, oh, I have something after school. I have something after school. And the robot is, like, not showing him that he's getting fucking married. (laughs) He's got to remember his wedding to his fiance, Marsha Gay Harden, Dr. Sarah Jean Reynolds, who I guess is the president of the college he works at. And... Meanwhile, she's getting fitted for her wedding dress. It's a plethora of HR issues here. <laughs> so many, so many, so many issues. And and what blows my mind is this isn't even the first time he might forget about his wedding. No, we learn he's already stood her up twice at the altar. And this is, they're going for lucky number three. This is take fucking three. <laughs> but so what? what's worth mentioning is that the robot purposely doesn't, show him that he's getting married later because she wants that d the the robot wants robin williams d yeah she is is in love with him she wants brainerd's brain (laughs) good lord um a penis joke brain yeah i got it it was good classy so robin williams on his lunch break goes to meet his fiance and even then she's dropping hints and eventually just tells him flat out like you are gonna remember six o'clock you gotta be at the uh the the church tonight and he's like oh yes oh of course oh 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 i forgot i don't know why i'm making Uh. fun of robin williams rest in peace oh i love the guy i love the guy and even in this movie i mean again he's other than Clancy Brown and maybe the, the villains of the film, he is he's doing it like he's you understand why he's such a lovable presence on screen because he's fucking selling all of this despite me kind of hating his character. Again, the guy's a genius, but he cannot remember what happened last night. She even reminds him, like, you remember the rehearsal dinner we did last night at the church? Like, oh, oh, yes. Oh. That's when that scene in particular is when it starts to get really sad. That he yeah, because he's something... like, did it go well? Like, oh, my God, he's got dementia. <laughs> something is undiagnosed for. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, Brainerd is working on a new energy source in an attempt to raise enough money to save the college from closure. I guess they're hard times um, and the government's not bailing them out. They're in debt to like the local bigwig or something <laughs> like that. And we know yeah. that because like there's a. There's a fucking very convenient newspaper throw at the beginning of the movie that says, College in danger of closure yep. by this guy. <laughs> After class, he's approached by his former partner, Wilson Croft, a.k.a. Shooter McGavin, Christopher McDonald. I was going to say Shooter McGavin. Love this guy every time he's in any movie whatsoever. But this is what... Okay, so he goes right up to him, and he starts chatting with him about some previous ideas. I guess he's stolen or attempted to steal many of Brainerd's ideas, and also tells him to his face that he's only here to steal his fiance and make her his wife once he once again forgets about the upcoming wedding tonight. Like I said, <laughs> cartoonishly evil. Um, to his face. It's so funny. Because I guess I'm Robin Williams plays fiance. it off like it's a joke. <laughs> like, I guess. And Robin Williams, listen, what a pussy. He doesn't do anything about it. Like, if someone <laughs> says that to me, put up your freaking dukes. <laughs> and Wilson, yeah, Wilson Croft, the guy's name, he... Also brings up good points where it's like, yeah, I wouldn't have tried to steal them, but you forget all these (laughs) ideas. Like, if you didn't do them, if I didn't do them, no one else would because you forget all the time. You need to see a doctor, (laughs) Brainerd. It really is, like, it's problematic. (laughs) And as we mentioned, yeah, Weibo has been trying to sabotage the relationship, so she removes it entirely from his schedule. And it works because he gets lost once again in his work when he gets back home. His latest experiment starts to yield some results. Meanwhile, everyone is eagerly anticipating his arrival at this church, including his sobbing bride-to-be and a shit-eating grin on (laughs) Christopher McDonald's face. He's like dumping the rice on the ground, smiling like, hey, I've got her. And just as Brainerd loses hope in his creation, it awakens. This is our first little bit here of uh, Flubber, which is this sentient green goo with uh, just enormous amounts of elasticity and kinetic energy. He like blew up his house. In oh, he creating. blows up this house several times. I was going to say, do you know how many times he ruins that basement? And everything like an hour later is like picked up and fine. I can't imagine working on this set and just having to like fight because it's so messy and cluttered. And they ruin everything multiple times. Just picking this up and like trying to find continuity in it must have been a goddamn nightmare. So it's it's moldable. It can create any shape. It's also it can duplicate itself. There never seems to be the same amount of flubber. Like this one goo ball of flubber can then turn into the exact same size of goo ball and just duplicate itself. And there's just there's no yeah. I don't understand 
literally anything about this. Like, they come up with the name rubber because it flies through the air and it's rubbery. Yeah, it bounces all around the room Flubber, and shit. Flying rubber. It's ticklish. He starts juggling with it, hacky sacking with some really bad effects right here. Again, it's sentient, too. I don't know why it's sent. It's essentially just rubber. Why is why does it talk? Why did he give this the power to talk? He had to have done that. He's playing God. Not only is he playing God, but another issue I have with this character and his degenerative brain disease, I guess, is that he continues to believe Flubber itself is the most miraculous creation. Not 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 the fact that once he creates flight, his robot can create a holographic version of a human being. Like all this other stuff he's created is much more impressive than a fucking green gobagoo. It's funny you mention that because and this is just jumping way 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 forward but at one point he's like talking about the financial implications of flubber he's like oh my god we can put it on basketball shoes and people can jump far (laughs) and someone has to tell him like no you invented a flying car and he's like oh 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 fuck yeah that's right yeah sure car and this is like we said like one of three scenes that all flubber is is actually uh, present for but this is the whole it bounces all around the room destroys everything and this is when it hit me this is an entire movie made up of that one scene in men in black where that little ball bounces around the office and breaks shit and for two minutes it's funny watching will smith being like oh damn oh hell no as it flies around the room breaking stuff this is an entire movie of just shit breaking and this fucking green ball bouncing all around because that's what it does it goes all through the neighborhood wreaking havoc uh yeah it separates duplicates we cut back to sarah who's leaving the church in tears uh and wilson's there good old shooter mcgavin he's there to give her a ride home because he's i guess a villain but honestly i can't blame the guy (laughs) it's it's a dick move to like move in on a girl after she's been on On her her third attempt of a wedding day like yeah, the third time she's left at the altar. Like, okay, you are like you can make a move at some point, but like literally she hasn't even gotten home yet. She's holding her unused wedding, wedding dress, dress in her hands. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey baby, can I give you a ride?" It's so it's the next morning, right? It's Saturday morning and Brainerd finally realizes, "Oh shit, I forgot the wedding." <laughs> so he goes to visit Sarah who's college of right now working on a saturday morning like talk about workaholic <laughs> yeah very weird um unless we're just given to believe that he didn't talk to her for two days <laughs> that's the thing well no one calls each other in this movie so he i, I no cell phones shows up that's true too obviously but uh when he does show up he shows her flubber it does not impress her even as he puts some in his back pocket and tells her he's gonna leap out the window and bounce back up but Flubber escapes just as he's about to do so, leaps out the window, lands on his back, should be dead, but isn't. Um, and she rightfully, yeah, breaks up with him. Says, like, I'm done with your shit. Yeah. Our B plot involves Medfield College sponsor Chester Heckner, I believe, or Hochner. I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're going to call him Chester. He's played by Raymond J. Barry, whom I remember mostly from Walk Hard as Dewey Cox's dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's always saying the wrong kid died. Um, <laughs> Better <laughs> <he> movie. Is, <laughs> Much better movie. He is very disappointed that uh, Professor Brainerd has failed his son, Bennett, Will Wheaton, in chemistry class. I guess Wheaton was also a basketball star, right? Or he was at least one of the only decent players on this team. Yeah, he was... I don't know if he was the star, but regardless, he's... he's kicked off the team, right? Yeah, he's kicked off the team because he's on academic probation because... uh, Professor Brainerd failed him in chemistry. So Chester decides to send his security guards, Smith and Wesson, that's Clancy Brown and Ted Levine, to Brainerd's house in an attempt to persuade him to give Bennett a better grade. Can we talk about the fucking names in this movie really quick? First of all, Professor Brainerd, like, oh, a brainy guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then the goons Smith and Wesson. Well, let's get this straight. They're the wet bandits, right? It's just Marvin. That's exactly the comparison I came up. They're just the wet bandits. They're dressed in like the the the, uh, the trench coats. When they knock, when they get knocked out, they do that like fall on your back, very exaggerated thing. It was just, it's almost beat for beat. They're just doing Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. But <laughs> yeah, they are. It's not all to dismiss the fact that I would be shitting my pants if Clancy Brown and Ted Levine showed up at my door. One hundred percent. But at this point, Robin Williams has is testing out flubber on a bunch of shit for some reason now he has uh crystallized flubber so non-sentient flubber again why he made the one sentient i don't (laughs) and cannot understand (laughs) 
So he's applying a tiny bit of this like flubber paste to golf balls and bowling balls, which again are bouncing all around the room. They wind up smacking our henchmen in the heads. And I didn't write this down. This isn't in my notes, but I'm remembering it right now because there's a shot of this. There's maybe five or six shots of this one kid who keeps seeing flubber or the destruction. Oh, they tortured this kid. And it's ruining his life. (laughs) Yeah, they torture this kid. That's right. I I was going to bring that up too. Yeah, the first time Flubber's bouncing around the neighborhood and his dad's like, you're on the second floor. No one's coming through your window to get you. Flubber bursts through the fucking door. Or the window. And then, yeah, these these he sprays some mist outside, so the henchmen themselves wind up bouncing, flying up into the air, and they wind up stuck in that kid's tree, too. They, they do this, like, four times. And at one point, Robin Williams flies his car past or something like that, or... Oh, that's right, yeah, because, of course, he uses Flubber to give his vintage Ford Thunderbird flight. It's a fucking sweet car. Yeah, great, great car. Actually, I will say this whole flying sequence doesn't look too bad. It's actually pretty decent looking as it's flying all over the place um, until we get to some shitty CGI geese that he has to fly through. Yeah, but everything else, you're right. They did the classic Disney solid production on it. It looks, yeah, very similar to like the Harry Potter movie where they're flying around in the car anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, he winds up flying over to Sarah's house begrudgingly to find Wilson and Sarah sipping some wine. They also share a tiny little smooch. She turns her head at the last minute, but uh, Shooter McGavin, he's still on it. He gets it. He also makes her a bet, right, that he'll buy, she'll buy him dinner if Medfield wins because he also is a professor or a teacher for the rival school. And, of course, if he wins, uh, she'll join him for a weekend in the mountains. So, so. it's pretty lose-lose for, <laughs> for her. For her. <laughs> Either way, he's getting some stuff. Yeah, either way, he's, I mean, so he's going to get dinner? Like, I don't, whatever, whatever. Um, (laughs) Brainerd heads home, yeah, because he's super depressed after he sees all this, and Weebo is wet. She wants that dick. She creates, like, some holographic woman. (laughs) It's a human version of herself that I guess she named Sylvia in hopes of winning him over. I'll be perfectly honest with you, Brandon. I could go without this whole plot i just don't oh, for sure <laughs> like i don't fucking care that the robot has a crush on robin williams i like the weebo character itself is fairly insufferable <laughs> oh i hate this character but at the same time it's 1997 this isn't set in any sort of near future so it's not like flying robots are a thing i would think that and the fact that this robot can create a holographic human is infinitely more fucking impressive than fucking flubber right he created ai <laughs> and like at no point does is he because he's like oh i created this rubber this could save the college and it's like but what about like your two sentient robots that you own yeah even that stupid egg making machine that's pretty cool man i bet you could sell that to someone honestly (laughs) you could sell that to like a restaurant and probably make a cool couple million off the patent yeah exactly he could start the automation business of the uh restaurant imagine how much money you save just in the dining hall (laughs) <laughs> of the college sure yeah, yeah. no this guy's uh, he's got ideas coming out his ass but flubber is not my favorite no <laughs> flubber's probably the worst of the ideas so she winds up going up into his bedroom again as this holographic woman and tries to steal a kiss from him but he wakes up in the middle of the night with another brilliant idea claiming to have solved all of their problems he's going to bring flubber to the basketball game <sighs> This is somehow going to save the school. So he coats his shoes in it and starts bouncing all over the place and believes this will be the way to prove Flubber's worth to Sarah. So stupid. Um, his whole, this whole plan is so dumb because he what he takes tacks, right? He coats tacks in, in Flubber and he puts them in the bottom of these players' shoes. It's funny because over the PA, you can hear the guy going, well, it seems like all Rutford has to do is just stay awake and they should win easily. It's like, what <laughs> yeah doing this is a college basketball game man show a little respect isn't this a home game too for them yeah um (laughs) but they keep saying like oh yeah they haven't beaten us in over 100 years and then you see all these kids who are like really scrawny and nerdy and you think like oh yeah funny funny but then you see like the people that they play against and it's i'll give you the visual gag of that is kind of funny (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a real Looney Tunes versus Monstars bit here. The, the I, guys they're playing are enormous. <laughs> <laughs> they're 108 games undefeated is what the uh, MC guy says. Yeah. Yep. Uh, back at home, though, out of curiosity, Weebo unleashes Flubber. And this is sadly the scene I most remembered from the trailers, which is just fucking Flubber dancing all around to nonsense. Well, exactly. This is where I, I 
take issue with the marketing of this movie is because most of this scene was in the trailer and it made it seem like we were about to see the raucous adventures of this little green gooey person. This is scene two of three. Well, like, this is the only way you're going to appeal to kids, right? Like, they're not going to be interested in this science, this dementia-riddled scientist's plight to win his girlfriend back and create some sort of new form of energy or whatever the fuck. You know what? So this is a real kangaroo jack scene. They put the, the scene of the, exactly. the talking kangaroo in the trailer to get the kids and family in. It all comes back to kangaroo jack is essentially what we need to remember. Every episode, <laughs> it always comes back to kangaroo jack. But yeah, it's a, it's a solid five minutes dedicated to these CGI flubbers just dancing all around. The house contraptions start going off. I'm not going to lie. I walked out of the room during this scene. Oh, this is the worst. The worst scene of the film. I went out and checked my mail during this scene and didn't pause it. <laughs> you I, devil, you dog. Yeah, so you, you'll have to walk us through this because I don't remember it because <laughs> I did, didn't care. <laughs> Nothing to walk through. They dance around. They make some dumb shapes. And we're back to the game. So he's, yeah, coded the tacks in the shoes just before the game. He's also high-fiving them with the, oh, that's right. with the rubber. I don't know, some weird shit. He slaps one kid's ass. Weird. <laughs> that kid looks back like, you just assaulted My me. teacher just slapped my ass. But yeah, they're going from zero baskets to fucking killing it. They're sinking them, jumping all over the court, and the other team, understandably confounded. Medfield winds up winning, and Chester and his goons are convinced Brainerd is behind this somehow. I also remember from the trailer, uh, the coach complaining, Look, they're flying through the air! Coach, there's nothing in the rules that says you can't jump too high! <laughs> Classic, like, trailer line. mob referee there, guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, so upon returning home, Brainerd, super bummed out because Sarah does not fall for this. She's even, you know, gets in the truck or the car with uh, Shooter McGavin. Cheated. <laughs> you lost, he basically tells him. Yeah. Yeah, because he tells her that they cheat. That was the only way that, like, flubber works. I put it on the shoes, and she's not having it. So upon returning home, Brainerd releases his sort of emotional baggage on Weibo, you know, saying his absent-mindedness is really due to his love of Sarah. And so he gives up. Uh, he says he's not going to pursue her anymore. So after he heads to bed, Weebo flies off to Sarah's house to show her the footage she recorded of Brainerd pouring his heart out. And I guess that does it. She's into him again. Instantly. She goes over to his place in the middle of the night and they most definitely fuck right off oh camera. Oh my God, she gets the D. She gets some flubber of her own. Oh. And he winds up taking her up into the sky, a magical place. She's convinced flubber is the way to save the school. Not because it's a bouncy green glob of goo, but rather they're in a fucking car above the clouds and this is yeah. cool. <laughs> so they fly to what I assume is uh, Detroit. Oh, this is so dumb. That's right. Oh my God. They go all the way to the Ford like yeah, headquarters. In a flying car. And who fucking cares? Meanwhile, the freaking villains. Oh, that's right, because we forgot to mention that the villains stop by the house and introduce themselves. Yeah, because he offers to buy it off them and forgive the college's debt, but they refuse. And that's when, yeah, they head off to Ford to show them their revolutionary vehicle. Chester, meanwhile, summons Smith and Wesson to raid Brainerd's house to steal Flubber. But thankfully, Weebo's there and she fights back. And I gotta say, Zach, watching these very distinguished character actors pretend to be beat up by a flying robot is super depressing. It's sad. <laughs> it's not fun. But thankfully, Weebo's destroyed. She's killed <laughs> with a baseball bat by Buffalo Bill. And uh, when Sarah and Brainerd get... It's the get most satisfying <laughs> scene in this movie. <laughs> Finally taking that fucking creature out. But when Sarah and Brainerd get home, they find the door kicked in, Weebo beaten down, Flubber's missing, and that's when they realize, oh shit, Weebo's dead. And then there's this really weird, somber moment where he asks Sarah, like, what happens to the soul of a machine? And we get into this weird ex machina existential crisis. Didn't need to go into this. It's okay. Your movie's well over 90 at this point. It's fine. <laughs> But thankfully, Weibo had downloaded backup data of herself onto his computer in the event of her destruction, as well as a video recording of her as the hologram professing her love for him. Uh, yeah, and like Yuck. it's an improved Weebet is the name of the new robot. She yeah. calls her her daughter. Yeah, instructions the, to create Everything her about this Fuck Weibo me. character is so fucking weird, dude. It's just from top to bottom, from when it started, where the robot is like kind of evil because he's not 
she's not reminding him of his own wedding all the way down to uh, this is my daughter <laughs> very unnecessary yeah it's just and even and even in the when they're dying they like they make they say that she's leaking battery fluid or something like that it looks like she's laying in a pool of blood <laughs> it's fucking dark holy shit what happens to the soul of a machine when it dies? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, God. So Sarah and Brainerd, they head off to Chester's mansion to get Flubber back. And it turns out Wilson, Shooter McGavin, he's working with Chester this whole time to transform the energy industry, I guess. Again. What a reveal. All the bad guys are yeah. working together. It's the real freaking Legion of Doom. Yeah, man, we get this sick climax here at their uh, at the mansion. Goes He's on looking far over the too long. formula. <laughs> this goes on way too long. Yeah, Sarah and Brainerd have coated their hands and shoes in flubber, so they start jumping all around this fucking room. Sarah beats up Wilson at one point like he's a punching bag, and I hate this. This is awful. The way, ugh. But Wilson, Schumer Gavin, he eventually swallows Flubber, and he, I guess, presumably bounces all through his organs, probably ripping his intestines apart until he seemingly farts it out, ripping a hole so big in his ass that he most certainly dies. Does he come back into this? I, I don't think so. I um, don't think we uh, see Honestly, him again. I think two people die. I think they kill Mr. Krabs, too, because she lands on top of his head with like stiletto heels oh shit that's right she curb stomps him in this mansion yeah i yeah, forgot like, all about he's that probably dead so i think out of like the five villains three of them have two of them at least are dead Not, yeah you don't you don't yeah, find anything sweet. out about them because it then immediately cuts to a newspaper headline that tells us the professor saved college <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, like, they never face, like, any sort of criminal, like, they did break and enter, conspiracy to, like, commit fraud and blackmail, like. Just when you think, oh my god, Professor Brainerd's really turned a corner, he's changed as a man, because now we see this, the church, oh wait, they're actually getting married, turns out, no, Sarah's (laughs) getting married. He still doesn't go to the fucking wedding! (laughs) Brainerd can't be fucking bothered to show up to the ceremony, there's only a video of him playing on We Bet, or whatever the fuck this daughter robot's name is, uh, and yeah, we end with our lovebirds happily married as they sail through the sky and Brainerd's Thunderbird. Torturing the kid one more time. Oh yeah, that's right, because as they're soaring through the clouds, Flubber fucks with this that same kid on a plane. The dad's like, you're 2,000 feet up in the air. There's no one. There's no monsters up here. Look out the window. Dance off, Flubber! <sighs> and then Weebet's arguing with him like, I don't want to sleep with him. He's weird. He's dumb. He's gooey. Yeah, Weebet's a fucking teenager. So they, great. You have two kids. You've got a fucking orange goo and a fucking sassy robot. <laughs> Flubber too. Can't wait. Oh, the sequel we never got, but the one Zach hopes we do. What's your, oh. uh, what's your thoughts on Flubber? I mean, what thoughts do you want me to have on it, man? It's fucking really 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 bad <laughs> it's first of all there's a lot of themes in it that don't really seem like they're for kids this whole thing about like an absent-minded person who like can't find ways to be in love because he's too it, dived into his work and you know the college is in financial ruin and it's just all this weird shit like the whole point of this movie was to get the little green goo and it's barely in the movie it's like more of what this movie is, is Robin Williams rubbing hand cream all over shit. <laughs> <laughs> and making it bounce, yeah. Yeah, and so not only is it like a kid's movie with a lack of kid content in it, but it's just boring. Like, I just, it's, I don't care about anything going on. I don't like any of the characters. I don't think anybody is likable in it. Like, the the robot love plot is weird there's a lot of weird subplots going in on this movie that eventually do all connect but it just feels like a a bunch of ideas thrown into one movie what did we say it had on rotten tomatoes pretty low Uh, 24 yeah i mean well deserved i think i there's a couple of moments where robin williams is you know he's robin williams he can find ways to be funny other than that um I didn't feel anything. I don't think it's worth revisiting. I wouldn't show your kids this movie. I don't think there's anything for them here. Um, Fucking keep it in the garbage, man. I'll give it a 20. 20? Yeah. Yeah. 
like you said, Robin Williams, he, he's a fucking national treasure. And there are very few movies, even of his worst in his entire filmography, I can still just kind of watch on a base love for him. And he always brings some sort of charisma to the to the role. The character itself, though, <laughs> again, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not familiar with the original film this is based off of. I hate movies where this genius or someone we're supposed to really respect and revere, who's so talented, everything in his life he's just completely fumbled at. He's awful at all these other things. And I, I, I never understood or liked the, the dichotomy there. So the character's kind of shit to me. I do love the supporting cast. There's just too many good, weird character actors that are thrown in here for it to be completely dismissed. But again, the shockingly, the shocking lack of kid content, the shocking lack of flubber itself in this movie really left me scratching my head. Like, I, I am very confused at this final product. I wonder if it was one that went through variations in the script where they had maybe a more adult science-based uh, comedy going on that they tried to mix with this young adult wacky green goo bullshit. Seems very probable that Disney executives got their hands all over this movie. It's scattershot, and it really shocks me that John Hughes wrote this, because John Hughes, if nothing else you could say for his movies, his characters are usually always very well-defined and likable, even if some of his material becomes problematic later on in years. I feel like Flubber was just a complete waste of my time. <laughs> like ultimately, ultimately, I killed an hour and a half of my life that I'll never get back. Uh, there are not necessarily any laughs I had out of here other than the strangeness of seeing fucking Ted Levine and Clancy Brown as these bumbling wet bandit wannabes. Yeah. You know, Christopher McDonald, I love him in any movie he's in. as He's always the same, you know, chody villain. But, uh, yeah, this is a skip for me. I don't know because I didn't have the nostalgia for this film going in, if there are a lot of people out there who have nostalgia for Flubber, it could be, I guess, worth the the revisit just to, because it does feel especially late 90s Disney, for better or for worse. It is a it is a time capsule for sure. Yeah, but I wouldn't show this to kids because I don't think they're going to glean anything from this. It's really obnoxious now, I think, in today's, <laughs> today's view. Yeah, I'm going to match you, man. A 20% is right on the money. I think this is uh, worth the skip. Yeah. <laughs> whoops. <laughs> yeah, there's a big whoops on our butts, Big whoopsie-daisy. I mean, I feel like... I feel like no one's nostalgic about it, but I do think there is sort of this acceptance of it being a bad movie. Like people remember it being a bad movie, probably haven't gone back to revisit it because it does have that reputation. Um, so I think it's good that we watched it just to confirm that because there was a chance that we watched this movie and we're like, well, maybe it gets a bad reputation. Um, yeah, for being a bad not the movie, case. as sometimes that happens. This is not yeah, You're right. This is not the case. It is a well-deserved bad movie reputation because it is a bad movie. Yeah, not yeah. fun. No. Not good. Any new stuff Ooh. you've been watching, Brandon? Sure, man. Yeah, I'll uh, run through the old listy McGoo die. We got some time here. Uh, Jeremy Saulnier, the guy who did Green Room. Green Room was the only movie of his that I had seen, so I went back and I watched every other movie he did because they were all on Netflix. So he did, uh, his first movie was called Murder Party. It's a low-budget kind of horror comedy. It's, I wouldn't just necessarily say it's worth your time, but if you want to go back through this filmmaker's uh, works, it's, it's okay. You can really see him having the promise of Green Room. But his next one, Blue Ruin, was fucking awesome. I love that, man. Really reminded me of uh, Blood Simple, like early Coen Brothers shit. Mm-hmm. Just a really tense, well-made revenge story. Definite high recommendation, in my opinion. And then his most recent one was Hold the Dark with Jeffrey Wright, which was an Alexander Skarsgård, which is a Netflix original, actually, and kind of set in, I believe it's Alaska, about this woman, Riley Keough. Her son is taken by wolves, so he goes out to try to find the wolves responsible for it, and then it turns out there's this whole weird fucking conspiracy in the town. Not as good as Green Room and Blue Ruin, in my opinion, but worth the watch if you've got nothing else to fucking do, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Also checked out the Netflix original Coffee and Kareem, the Ed Helms uh, buddy cop movie. It is awful <laughs> yeah I, you don't have to fucking tell me that. it's directed by michael dows who did goon a huge fan of goon i love goon uh he love also did goon. stuber yeah. which wasn't awful like I, I had some laughs in there it's fine as a buddy cop movie i haven't it's seen it just don't don't even bother uh checked out dolores claiborne which was that stephen king movie uh from yeah. like the 90s 
uh, yeah. Kathy Bates. Pretty decent. More of a drama than a thriller than I was expecting, but not too shabby. Also saw I Heart Huckabees, which was David O. Russell's movie from the early 2000s. Jesus, dude. I don't fucking get it. I, 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 I have no idea what that movie was about. Uh, didn't understand it while I was watching it, and then it ended, and I was like, okay, well, there's an hour 40 of my life gone, yeah. but whatever. Decent cast. And uh, lastly, I watched I Saw the Devil, which is a South Korean film about... Uh, ser- it's not the typical serial killer revenge story. It's the guy in Old Boy, the lead in Old Boy, plays a serial killer who unfortunately murders the wife of this police detective, badass guy, who instead of, you think it's going to be like he just, you know, the rest of the movie's about him exacting his revenge and finding this guy, but he finds the serial killer almost immediately within like the first 20 minutes, and instead of killing him, he just decides to destroy his fucking life by constantly coming back, and like, anytime he goes to try and commit a murder, he like, fucks him up beyond any belief and like, cuts his Achilles tendon, but Jesus. keeps him alive long enough to keep ruining his life. It's really good. Really good. So uh, that one's... Definite recommendation. Okay. What about you, dude? Um, I haven't seen a ton of new stuff. I've been kind of comfort watching. I have started uh, a new series on Netflix called Kim's Convenience, which is about uh, Korean immigrants owning a convenience store in Toronto. Um, oh. It, based off of a play, I suppose, and now like four or five seasons in, it's a Canadian show. Um, it's not great, but it, there, I've had a couple of laughs on it, and... Um, you know, it's it's killing time. Um, I don't. It's one of those shows where, like, I'm like, I know it's not great, but why do I keep hitting watch next? You know what I mean? Like, okay. How far are you in? Uh, two seasons. Two seasons. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Um, and it's like it's fine. There's a couple funny that the father in it is so funny. He's really really funny. Um, but everything else is like, nah, give or take. It's a sitcom. I watched, uh, the platform on netflix have you seen oh, that yeah, yeah. Um, no i haven't it's a foreign one right yeah spanish? it's it's spanish but it's and i feel like i might go back and rewatch it with subtitles because it was dubbed um it's it's just a bizarre concept you just have to watch it it's pretty good if you can get around watching people eating disgusting food i personally have like trouble watching people eat on screen i always have i don't know why oh okay um, and that one is not great because it's people like shoveling gross food into their mouths it it's a bad look but um because i've heard it's kind of like snowpiercer almost. it is a lot like snowpiercer and it, the appeal is there if you're into that um it's just it's a literally a tough one to swallow sometimes the visuals but it's effective um in that sense i suppose so i recommend that movie it's pretty good um okay i also have something probably everybody's seen before just a heads up the matrix trilogy is on netflix and i watched all of them <laughs> All three of them. All wow. three of them. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do they do they hold up? I mean, the, obviously the first one probably. The does. first one holds up for sure. Uh, the second two, I mean, I guess it depends how. I I'm really into the Matrix. I love the concept of the Matrix. I'm super excited for a fourth one. Um, <laughs> I really like kung fu movies, and that at its core is a kung fu movie. That said, you and I have talked about this before. I don't understand how anybody saw The Matrix on the first watch and understood what the fuck was going on. <laughs> that is a movie I've seen so many times, and I still pick up new concepts where I'm like, oh, that makes more sense now. Like, I just, it's such a complicated movie. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen the second or third one since the years they came out. I've seen the first one a few times since, but I got—I'll tell you this: besides that stupid CGI fight where he fights like a million Agent Smiths, Ooh, um, yeah, Gumby Bugs. The action—the action sequence on the highway is fucking bad. I have They've seen got that some on YouTube a couple times. <laughs> really good action sequences in that movie. The third one is like borderline boring. Really? Yeah. Um, but you know it's it's like okay i've watched the first two but i think it's like i remember it having a wet fart of an ending. it does it has a wet fart of an ending it doesn't feel very good um towards the end of it it just feels like okay just fucking put a bullet in it at this point (laughs) okay yeah but uh you know if you like the matrix worth the watch nice yeah nice yeah so should we talk about what we're doing next week then that's right. We are going uh, back in time, doing a little sci-fi with uh, a little man I like to call Mr. Tom Cruise, War of the Worlds, Brandon. <sighs> Our first Spielberg joint. 
our feels our first Spielberg movie, which we've talked about why we haven't done a Spielberg movie. It's because they're usually all pretty good, right? Most <laughs> of them are pretty good. I think the closest we've got is maybe Jurassic Park three because he did obviously do the first two and produced. Oh, that that's one. right. I don't yeah, think we've done a, a Spielberg directed film yet. No, I don't think so. So this will be interesting. Um, from what I remember, I haven't seen it in a while, but from what I remember, not bad. No, not. I don't think this is gonna be that bad. Honestly, I, I was massively hyped when this came out. Uh, like counting down the days till we could see this thing in theaters, I was that excited for it, and it kind of popped up on my radar when I realized I think the 4K is coming out, and it's set underneath 15th anniversary edition, and I had to stop and think, like, holy Jesus, shit, whoa. it's been 15 years since War of the Worlds. This is my first drive-in film. Really? Yep. Wow. My first, it was a okay. double feature with this and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. What a combo, man. What a combo. Yeah. That's a stay tuned as well. I was really psyched, and we could talk about this later, but obviously the, it's got this whole older backstory war of the worlds so oh, i sure. felt H. like Wells. like going to see an alien movie in a drive-in was like such a cool moment for me <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine yeah i felt very 1970s well this will also be good because you know what better way to celebrate a pandemic with a good old disaster movie <sighs> we got that whole bit with tim robbins right where he's like a secluded hobo oh yeah tim robbins that's right nice. yeah and we might be able to even to touch on the uh, parodies in scary movie four do you remember that zach scary movie four do i ever remember scary movie four we've got a lot to talk about we'll save it for next week um i think it'll be a fun episode I honestly may watch Scary Movie 4 just in preparation. I, that one's been a while since I've yeah, seen that Go one ahead too. and skip that. That's my recommendation. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay in tuned. We appreciate it. If you want to send us a message, feel free to shoot one, an email over at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com. You can also uh, follow this and every episode on Apple Podcasts, also on Google Play. Are we on Spotify, Brandon? Definitely on Spotify. We're on Spotify. I don't know about Google Play. I think probably. I, Definitely on Podbean. Our original yeah, NB, nbd.podbean.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Please, please, please like and subscribe and write a review. It helps anytime that you write a review. And of course, share it with a friend who's stuck inside. Yes. Hope everyone stays safe. Keep washing your hands. And uh, just ask yourself every so often what happens to the soul of a machine? When it dies. Hopefully nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye.